0: Welcome to Swamp Mysteries, The Treasure of Jean Lafitte, a spooky new audio adventure story for children by author Elizabeth Singer-Hunt, performed by Rachel Rosick and Jordan Paul Harrow. In the last episode, 12-year-old friends Charlie and Oscar found a mysterious tin box with a drawing of a skull and crossbones on the lid. Little did they know that by opening it, it would change their lives forever. We closed our eyes and waited a few seconds. But nothing happened. There was no explosion. No toxic cloud of gas. We opened our eyes and looked down at the box. Then we started to laugh. Nestled inside was nothing but a harmless brown leather book. Just like I thought. We peeled off our protective gear. I reached inside, took the book out, and laid it gently on the ground. Staring at us from the front cover, were the initials J and L stamped in gold. "'Who's J L? asked Oscar. "'Beats me,' I said. As far as I knew, none of my ancestors had a name with the initials J and L. I opened the book to the first page. It was blank. But on the second, there was a drawing of an island. I knew it was an island, because there were sharks and ships drawn around it. There was also an image of a skull and crossbones in the corner, just like the one etched into the lid. When Oscar and I turned to the third page, we found something else. From the top of the page to the bottom was a handwritten poem of sorts. The cursive was so old-fashioned and slanted that it was hard to read, but I gave it a shot. Silver chest underground, buried deep so not found, till tis ready for the find, jewels, gold, and silver mine. Key is buried, lone and deep, near stone arch at toes of feet, three of shovel under toes, key in box of fragrant rose, chest at heel across the bay, under oak tree so not sway. In storms and rain, chest lay tight, protective spirit, master knight. It didn't take long for Oscar to blurt out what he thought it was. It's a pirate's treasure map! I started laughing. (laughs) I mean, I couldn't help it. What were the odds that we were looking at a real-life pirate's treasure map? Most of the time, hurricanes dredged up old tires and ratty milk cartons. You know who can help us out, right? said Oscar. I knew exactly who Oscar was talking about. Our friend Robbie was absolutely obsessed with pirates. If there was anyone who could tell us what we had, it was Robbie. Oscar pulled out his cell phone. He dialed a number. A voice on the other end answered. Charlie and I have something. Meet me at my mom's in 20 minutes. Oscar hung up. Then, he turned to me. Rob, you'll meet us in 10. I tucked the book back into the box and picked it up. Oscar and I made our way into the kitchen. Alice was there, putting the empty lemonade glasses on the counter. Did y'all find anything interesting in that box? Not really, I said. I didn't want to say anything until we knew more. That's too bad. Your daddy was hoping you'd get a bit of fun out of that. Oscar and I are going into town. Is that all right? Sure thing. But be back for five o'clock. I'm making a delicious crawfish etouffee. According to the kitchen clock, it was nearly 2 p.m. Plenty of time to meet Robbie and get back for dinner. Oscar and I made our way to the front door. Bye, Alice, I said. Then, the two of us made our way into town. Like I said, strange things happen all the time in Plantation View. Until this whole thing happened to us, I never really thought about why. But once it did, I was forced to explore it. What I concluded was that our town was plagued by the paranormal because of its history and its inhabitants. Take Mr. Frank's funeral home, for example. Today, Mr. Frank runs a business where he helps people say goodbye to the newly departed. He does a nice service for the dead and buries their bodies in the Plantation View Cemetery next door. But a long time ago, the building was a small wartime hospital. A lot of injured and sick soldiers died there. Rather than bulldoze it when the hospital closed, the building was repurposed into Mr. Frank's funeral home. Now. Poor Mr. Frank has to deal with ghostly soldiers roaming the halls at all hours. Sometimes, during a funeral, they appear unexpectedly, and he has to shoo them away. Get out of here! Madame Latreau is another example of why our town is so strange. She's our local voodoo priestess. If you want your fortune, Red, you can go to her. She'll throw a bunch of chicken bones on the floor and tell you what's gonna happen in your future based on how they fell. I'm not sure I believe in it, but I don't want to question her. Just in case. Some people who want to speak to their dead relatives ask Madame Latreau to perform a seance. She lights a bunch of candles and communicates in hushed tones to the departed. If she catches one of them into her body, they speak through her mouth. I love my mother dearly but I don't want to talk to her through Madame Latrobe's ruby red lips. I could give you lots of other examples, but here's another one for now. Earlier, I mentioned the Gatlin brothers and the fact that they have a pawn shop. Well, pawn shops are a really good way for the spirits of the dead to continue to be recycled. When somebody dies in our town, their relatives keep most of their stuff, but if they don't want it, they give it to Bobby Ray and Kenny Gatlin to sell. When Mrs. A. Bear's husband died, she gave her husband's raggedy old armchair to Ragin' Cajun Treasures. Not too long after that, Mrs. Trahan purchased the same chair for her college-aged son, Tommy, who was returning home for the summer. Well, imagine Tommy's surprise when he sat down in the chair and found himself sitting on top of old Mr. A. Bear's ghost. Gee whiz! Mrs. Trahan promptly returned the cursed chair to the pawn shop. When Mrs. A. Bear heard what had happened, She bought the chair back, brought it home, and has been talking to it ever since. Are you there, Gerald? If you're enjoying Swamp Mysteries, The Treasure of Jean Lafitte, make sure to check out Elizabeth's other stories for children, including the award-winning Secret Agent Jack Stalwart series. In it, nine-year-old Secret Agent Jack Stalwart travels the globe fighting bad guys in his quest to find his missing brother, Max. To learn more and listen to secret agent Jack Stalwart stories for free, visit elizabethsingerhunt.com. Oscar's mom is lucky, however. She works at Snowball Heaven. It's one of the newest shops in town and doesn't contain any paranormal baggage. It's bright and cheery, just like Oscar's mom, Patrice. She's a lady who's been through a lot, including divorce and cancer, but manages to stay happy. Between her job at Snowball Heaven and the one at Max's po Boy shop, she makes enough money to make ends meet. As soon as we got to Snowball Heaven, Oscar walked towards the back counter and his mother. Hey, Ma, Charlie and I need some snowballs. A cherry for me, Mrs. Legere, with condensed milk, please. Mrs. Legere grabbed a styrofoam cup and flicked on the snowball-making machine. The machine groaned and shook as it hacked up the block of ice inside. Small shreds of ice spat out of the machine and into my cup. When it was full, Mrs. Legere grabbed a bottle of syrup and drenched the top of the shaved ice with artificial cherry goodness. After that, she poured some gooey condensed milk on top. I took the snowball from her hands. Thank you. It looks delicious. Oscar's mom did the same for Oscar, but made his with chocolate syrup. After paying for our snowballs, we headed outside we plunked ourselves on one of the picnic benches and waited for Robbie. When he arrived, he wasn't alone. His twin sister, Jules, was with him. Although Robbie and Jules are twins, they don't look like each other. They're what's called fraternal twins. Robbie has short, dark hair and blue eyes. Jules has wavy red hair and green eyes. Just like us, they're in the seventh grade at Plantation View Middle School. Because she was born two minutes ahead of Robbie... Jules thinks she's the older and wiser one. But we all know that Robbie's the one with the brains. He has a photographic memory and has gotten straight A's since kindergarten. Jules, on the other hand, is more focused on her social life. In fact, she wants to be a famous singer someday. When she heard that Pop Singer, that TV show, was having auditions in New Orleans, she screamed so loud that people all the way to Florida could hear her. Robbie slid in next to Oscar on the bench, while Jules made her way to a nearby window. She started making pouty faces at herself in the reflection. Without wasting time, Oscar laid the box on the table in front of Robbie. As soon as he saw what was etched on the lid, Robbie started to hyperventilate. W- w- where'd you get this? Near the roots of Big Bertha, I said. Hurricane Freddy knocked her down. Robbie asked if he could open the tin. May I? You don't have to be so polite, I said. It's just a tin box. I wouldn't say that. He looked as excited to open it as a kid on Christmas. When Robbie saw the JL on the cover, his eyes opened wide. When he got to page three, they were absolutely bugging out. What's the matter with you? said Jules, pulling herself away from the window and sliding in next to Robbie. What's the matter with me? said Robbie. "'Do you have any idea what this is? It's a pirate's treasure map!' Oscar shot me a told-you-so look. I stuck my tongue out at him. "'How can you be so sure?' I asked. Robbie pointed to a random page. "'What color is this?' asked Robbie, almost quizzing me. I compared it to the bright white paint on the table. The paper was slightly darker. "'Off-white? Cream?' "'Exactly.' So, said Jules, unimpressed. During the 1700s, explained Robbie, paper wasn't made from trees. It was made from cloth rags. That's why it's cream. Fascinating, said Jules, rolling her eyes. Robbie ignored his sister and lifted one of the pages to the sun. He pointed to the bottom right-hand corner. See this? I narrowed my eyes. On the paper, I could see a watermark with the name... Written House on it. The Written House Mill was the first paper mill in the United States. It opened in 1690 and made paper for several hundred years. So, the books from the 1690s? said Oscar. Robbie shook his head. Not that far back. Probably the 1800s. Why do you think that? I asked. A smile spread across Robbie's face. Because I know who wrote it. I couldn't believe it. You mean, you know who J.L. is? Sure do. The pirate who wrote this is none other than Jean Lafitte. If you've enjoyed this episode of Swamp Mysteries, the treasure of Jean Lafitte, make sure to select subscribe. That way you'll be the first to hear what happens next.